there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there, waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. It seemed like a good day to go to the beach. The sun was nowhere to be seen, thanks to the thick cushion of gray clouds that were decent enough to conceal it. And... As well as darkening the morning, they also let loose the perfect mix of mist and light rain. See, the beaches here aren't meant for hot sun and swimming. They're the best in the cold and the dark, when it's damp enough to keep all the creatures and seaweed plump and shiny between the rocks. I liked coming out here. Some days I come out to think about something good that had happened. In other days, I come out to forget about something sad. At least for a little while. I don't know how long I'd been walking. It might have been a few minutes, or maybe a few hours. And I'd already forgotten what sad thing I came to forget. That's what these beaches are good for. I usually keep my eyes down, scanning the black sandy mud for sea glass or crabs that I'd rather not crush so I didn't notice the body until I was practically standing on top of it. The hand was encased in the mud, save for the fingers which stuck out and curled inward, and that's what I saw first. The purplish-blue fingernail stood out from a few of the surrounding seashells only in shape, as their colors matched perfectly. I've been to this beach countless times, on many dreary mornings like this one, but not once before now had I found a dead body. A bone, here and there, sure, but those belonged to the seals and the seagulls. Not a person. And this was much more than just bones. I crouched down, a little surprised at my vague curiosity, and looked over the woman who'd met her end just a few feet away from the night-colored water. She could have been sleeping, with how her eye was closed just so the way her hair fell over her forehead like that, and how her glasses were set off to the side, just like how I'll do sometimes whenever I feel like taking a nap on the couch. It was only the color of her skin that gave it away that she would never wake up. A grayish white that the rain clouds would be envious of. Then I noticed her eye, or rather, the lack of it. So I guess that gave it away too must have been one of the gulls that circled above us. I didn't notice before how they swirled in the mist, but it made sense, and I couldn't fault them for being hungry. Then I had an idea. Sprinkled all across the dark beach were countless shells. Some whole, some just little fragments, but most of them were bright white and tinged with reds or purples around their smooth edges. It didn't take but a moment to find the right one stuck right between my muddy, soaked boots. It was the perfect shape, oblong and slightly pointed on either side. 
Along the edge of the milky white shell was a light blue that reminded me of the veins under the thin skin of my wrists. I slipped it into the empty space behind her lid, and it looked so pretty shining through the thin slit between her lashes. I couldn't remember what had brought me to the beach that day, whether it was because something had made me happy or if I had been feeling sad. Either way, I guess the waves did what they do best, and they washed it all away. All I was thinking about now was how peaceful she looked, held gently by the wet pebbles. That's what I'm always looking for when I come out here. So I joined her. It wasn't as cold as I expected when I laid down in front of her and buried the back of my hand into the sand like hers. I watched the rain drip down my curled fingers. Then I let my head fall into place and rubbed my face against the sand the same way I bury it into my pillow at night. There were more gulls now circling above us but I wasn't listening to their calls of hunger. I had set my glasses aside, but I could still see the woman facing me well enough. She looked familiar, I thought. I felt silly for not noticing it before. I could only see half of her face, I suppose, but it still should have been more than enough. It was a face I've seen quite often. Every morning, in fact, and every night. Her coat, too damp and dirty as it was, was the same shade of dark reddish maroon that I would have picked out if it had been me buying it. I felt something pull at me then. Closer and closer, it brought me to the woman with the seashell eye. First my hand, and then my arm, and then the rest of me started to shift over the sand and the rocks and the dried barnacles that didn't crunch under my weight. It was such a pretty shade of maroon. I remember now, being so pleased when I had found that coat at the thrift. It was my favorite color, and it fit like a glove. It was soaked through now, having been out in the rain for who knows how long. And judging by the sand and the small crab and the fake fur trim, it had probably been submerged a good way under the water when the tide was in that morning. But I didn't need my coat to be warm anymore. I was dead, and dead things are better off cold anyway. I remembered then why I came back here, just as the pole came to a stop, and I was no longer resting on the beach, but submerged halfway in it. My seashell eye turned towards the water. It was cold, having the wet sand cradle my face as it did, but it was comfortable, and I fit like a glove. everyone. In between our stories, we like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For September, we decided to highlight the People's Fund of Maui. This is a nonprofit dedicated to providing direct financial support to those affected by the Maui wildfires. You can find out more and donate at peoplesfundofmaui.org or from the link on our website at dropsofdarkness.com. Now back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you of the 
countless terrors your kind has survived, all on their own. Spent quite a few summers as a teen working as a camp counselor. This camp was pretty standard. There was a lake with a zipline, cricket-infested cabins, and just enough safety hazards to make it fun. There's one thing about it that made it different, though. That was the fact that it was run by a conservative religious group. For the most part, this just meant that the dress code rules were a little more strict, at least for the girls, and there was chapel every evening. Growing up in a religious family, none of this was out of the realm of normal for me, for the most part. The story I'm about to tell you was from my last summer there. It was far from normal thanks to a specific camper in my cabin who claimed she had her own demon. For the sake of this story, I'll just call her Lisa. I should have known this session of camp was going to be an odd one as soon as I watched Lisa pop the still-beating heart of a snapping turtle in her mouth on the first day. I remember thinking, I hope she was in anyone else's cabin but mine. Lo and behold, I walk in to check on how the campers are settling in and she's in the farthest bunk in the back corner, tucking two beach towels under the mattress above her so no one could see inside. At this point, I decide that I'm relieved she's in my cabin, because as a bit of a misfit myself, I figured she'd be better off with me than most of the others. I ran an art-based activity in the mess hall and the next day, she was in my group. I had gathered every piece of construction paper, crayon, marker, and colored pencil I could find and pretty much told them to go nuts and they could use whatever they made to decorate their bunks. After getting conned by a bunch of sixth grade girls and the drawing what felt like a thousand flowers and rainbows, I took a break and checked on the few kids who were actually making their own artwork. Lisa had drawn a stack of pictures. And on each piece of neon-colored paper was a figure scribbled in black with what looked like an aura of red surrounding it. And in every picture, it was standing behind a stick figure version of herself. At first, I figured it might be from a horror movie, so I asked her which one it was from. With her eyes still on her paper, she tells me in a soft voice that she's not allowed to watch horror movies. And the figure in the pictures is her demon. Believe me, I had follow-up questions, but before I could ask any, the bell rang for lunch and the mess hall quickly filled with loud, hungry middle schoolers. That night, I knocked on the side of her bunk to check in on her before her lights out, and when she pulled back her towel curtain, I could see that she covered the back wall of her bunk with the pictures. That was the night I started to hear whispering. In a cabin full of preteen girls, Whispering is a sound that's as expected as the army of crickets chirping away in the walls. But this whispering caught my attention pretty quick, as the voice I was hearing was deep, almost grovelly, and sure wasn't coming from a little girl. After a few minutes, I got on my bunk to check, but it stopped after I took a few steps towards Lisa's bunk. Worn out from being in the sun and surrounded by kids all day, I shrugged it off, figuring kids are fucking weird sometimes, and then returned to my bed to crash. Wednesday passed in a blur of sugar and heat-induced chaos as a bunch of over-caffeinated teens wrangled sweaty children, and I didn't think about Lisa's drawings or their whispering. It was the day we raced duct tape and cardboard boats across the lake, and I had a gang of 11-year-olds that lead to victory. 
But while the day passed without incident, the night definitely didn't. One thing about these religious summer camps is that by the middle of the week, chapel begins to get a bit more serious, as the goal is to eventually convince these kids to accept Christ. While this in itself could be a subject of a whole separate scary story, it matters to this one because that night was the last time I ever saw Lisa. She had had a good day and even seemed to be making friends, but that night something was wrong. She refused to talk to anyone between dinner and lights out. I talked to one of the older counselors to see if they had any advice, and they pretty much just told me to leave it. This was bad advice, and became impossible to follow when just after midnight Lisa started screaming bloody murder. This wasn't, oh, there's a bug in my bed screaming. This was, there's a bug in my bed and it just bit off my arm screaming. I'm pretty sure my heart stopped for a second and I ripped myself out of my blankets and stumbled over to Lisa's bunk. I yank down the beach towels and find her sitting with her back jammed into the corner, blank expression and staring at a spot directly over my shoulder. I don't remember exactly what I said, but there's a good chance it said fuck in the middle of a bunch of kids at Bible camp as I tried to ask her what happened. All she said was, He's behind you, and he wants you to move. Uh, what? I asked if she was okay, if she was hurt, if something happened, but she just repeated herself. He's behind you, and he wants you to move. I'm not sure if it was in my head or what, but I feel the hair on my neck stand up and hear the same deep voice exhale over my shoulder. Fuck this. I ask if she wants to come with me to the mess hall. She nods, and after I tell the counselor in the next cabin over to keep an eye on the rest of my campers, we walk through the pitch black dark towards the tiny light above the mess hall door. I can hear this breathing getting louder the closer we get, till it wasn't breathing anymore but a full-on growl instead. I ask Lisa if she's okay, and you'll never guess her response. He's behind you, and he wants you to move. You know that feeling you get when you have to turn off the basement light and run up the stairs in the dark? It took everything I had to not bolt towards that mess hall as I felt this overwhelming cloud of hate and danger wrapped around me. It felt like forever, but we finally made it, and five minutes later, the director of the camp was on the phone with Lisa's parents. She explained everything that happened, and while I couldn't hear everything, what I did hear was Lisa's mom say, Oh, oh no. The conversation didn't last much longer, and after hanging up, the director announced that Lisa's parents are making the two-and-a-half-hour drive to come pick her up. Someone was sent to get Lisa's things, and then everyone went to bed except the director, me, and Lisa. We ate some stale cake from the walk-in cooler, and not once Lisa stopped staring at the spot over my shoulder. It was the worst two-and-a-half hours trying to make awkward small talk with the director as I felt hot breath on the back of my neck. I simultaneously wanted to run away, curl up in a ball, punch something, maybe hurl, and possibly cry. When they finally did get there, they didn't even come inside. They called the main line and the director escorted Lisa out to their car. I said goodbye and that I hoped she felt better, but she didn't say anything back. And that was it. I went back to the cabin, her drawings were still there, so I pulled them down and got rid of them. The next morning, when the other kids asked where Lisa went, I lied, and I said she was sick, but that it wasn't contagious. 
I also left out the part where I burned those drawings and then threw them into the lake. I don't know what happened to Lisa, but I just hope that she found a way to escape from whatever it was that was behind me and wanted me to move. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquike. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gate.